0: Hi, everybody. I'm Patrick McEnroe, and this is Holding Court. Hello. Back for another round of Holding Court here on Tennis Twitter and all the topics that came up. And the uh, support for this and the interest has been so big that I thought I'd just continue uh, on the same avenue of topics, meaning reading them off my Twitter feed today because uh, the response has been, uh, great from you Twitter fans out there. So I thank you one and all for participating and sending me so many interesting topics. I went for, oh, about 25 plus minutes yesterday. So I thought I would, uh, continue a little bit of that today because, uh, getting a lot of good feedback from it and why not pretty easy to do. And, uh, I think it's a nice way to get to many different topics. So I'm going to pick up basically where I left off yesterday, uh, and again I'm trying to get to as many of them as I can uh, that are appropriate. There, you know, you get a few inappropriate uh, people, but that's that's the price we all pay for social media. So we know uh, we know that deal. All right, so I believe it's Eric DeWitt writes to me the decline of tennis and the lack of knowledgeable people to recover from it rather than focus on focusing on padel and platform tennis pickleball. It has been a tough game to learn when I was a kid. So why is it too difficult now for this generation? Well, tennis has always been tough to get really good at. Um, that's part of, I think, what makes it so interesting and so great to watch at the highest level because uh, the professional players and even really good junior and college players make it look, excuse me, relatively easy, which it's not. And by the way, a lot of people chiming in on this pickleball uh, versus tennis issue. I discussed it a little bit yesterday. Uh, Again, I'm a fan of it. Um, Many, As I said, many tennis traditionalists are not. I think it's great to get rackets in people's hands, no doubt. It's easier to become a competent pickle player, more easier than it is to become what I would call a competent tennis player. Now, that being said, I've played very little pickleball, and I'm sure if I went out and played with some of these quote-unquote professionals, I guess they really are professionals, oh, they kicked kick my ass. Of course they would. Just like they're probably going to kick ass of some of these ex-tennis players now, uh, meaning professional players, as I mentioned, like Sam Querrey and, and Noah Rubin, maybe there's more, um, as they get into it. So uh, I'm sure it's difficult to get really good at it but it's definitely easier for the recreational player to pick it up and get something out of it. Tennis is very hard to do that. You can do it, um, but there's, you know, the longer distance, the more power in the rackets. I've had a few people complain to me about the annoying sound of the pickleball onto the paddle. Uh, And interestingly, I was out in the Long Island at one point this summer, and they had turned a couple of the... uh, tennis courts and the pickleball courts at one of the parks out there. I believe it was in East Hampton. I was out there playing with my daughter at the park and some of the people that live close to the park. And I guess in certain er areas that they were complaining about the sound of the ball. So, um, you know, it's, it's loud. It's not like a, you know, tennis ball. You hear that thump. This is like a thwack, uh, on the pickleball scene. But again, uh, it's going to be fun to sort of watch how this plays out. Padel by the way is very popular In Europe, particularly in Spain, it's sort of the bigger court. It's closer to tennis than any of these uh, uh, smaller area courts like platform tennis, which is big in the area where I live in the Northeast, which is played mostly in the winter. I know they played in California as well, sort of a different form of it with different balls. They're all basically... Uh, they're not the same. They're sort of miniature versions of tennis. So the, you know, you could play off the fence, you could play off the wall. That's more a platform tennis kind of thing. Uh, obviously you don't do that in pickleball. Uh, you can't go into the kitchen. Uh, but they're all sort of mini versions of, of tennis. And again, I like them all. I mean, you know, I guess you could argue like in team, in team events and the pros, there's too many of them. Uh, You know, like we got the Davis Cup, we got the Billie Jean King Cup, and then there's a Laver Cup, and then there's their ATP Cup, and all these different team events, which overall I think is actually good for tennis because people like those team events, the players like them, uh, fans like them, uh, but at some point you oversaturate it. So we'll see how it's going to play out. The bottom line is more people are getting interested in racket sports in general, and I think that is a very good thing. Uh I believe the name is Rizhabda. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Pandai, Pandi. I keep hearing since twenty sixteen that Nole will overtake Rafa in slams. He is still behind. Um crying emojis. Rafa will end up with the most slams. Well, you got one more. And I predict Djokovic will end up with more. That's just my prediction. But you may be right. I, I, I certainly thought that when then when Djokovic got to twenty when he won Wimbledon, um, and beat Rof, uh, Roger in that epic final that or or was it last year? When did he get to twenty? When he got to when the three of them were all at twenty? I think that was last year um, when he won it. We all thought, well, now it's going to be. Uh, it's it, it was like it was after he beat uh, Feder. It were Berrettini, I guess he beat. well, it's all, they're all, they're all at 20 and now Djokovic is going to end up with, you know, 25, 26, something like that, blow everybody out of the water. Of course that hasn't happened. Um, maybe it will. I'd be surprised if he ended up with that many, but I still think with base, especially based on the way he looked at Wimbledon, the way he's looked at the tail end of this year, having not been able to play the open, the U S open and Australia because of the no vaccine issue Uh, that I believe will be cleared up next year uh, for the Australia. I know that was another question I've been hearing pretty frequently. Will he play in Australia? I predict he will, but again, that's an Australian government decision. Just as it was this year at the U.S. Open, that was a U.S. government decision to not allow unvaccinated uh, non-citizens into the country. Uh, But if I were a betting man, which I usually don't, not not, not usually, I never bet um, on anything related to tennis, uh, I would say Djokovic will end up with more. Um, Let's see, next up someone is talking about some of the fathers that become the coaches of top female p- tennis players Osaka her dad back as a coach uh Kenan uh Zuza added Kenan as well uh who was the third let me go back Osaka Fernandez Layla Fernandez uh I, I that that I wasn't aware of that her father was was coaching her but you may be right I haven't been Um, Watch, I've seen a little bit of the women's tournament going on in Acapulco. Uh, So Norman Cantor says, uh, Osaka, Fernandez, Radikanu. someone else added, Kenan Fathers all suddenly coaching them and none of them winning. If you've got all the money you've never dreamed of about, why would you listen to a coach you're paying? Um, I'm unclear if that means that they shouldn't have their Fathers as coaches, or that they should use the money they're making to 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 pay a coach. Uh, Anyway, that's a tricky subject. Uh, I'm in favor of me personally. I'm in favor of uh, you know professional players not having their parent as the main coach. I mean, certainly if you're a young woman, a young girl coming up, as many of these players you mentioned. Radha Kanu's father's now coaching her. I hadn't heard that, but again, I may be out of the loop. Maybe I'm not paying good enough attention. Uh, I know that she's had a multitude of coaches, and certainly the fathers uh, were very involved as they were growing up. And because of the expense of tennis, by the way, in getting coaching when you're young, before you have money, before, in other words, before these young women had a lot of money, uh, it's not, you know, of course, you get federations to help and sponsors But it takes a lot, and I run a tennis academy, uh, help run it at the John McEnroe Tennis Academy. I see and hear from all sorts of parents. It's expensive to uh, play at our academy if you don't have a scholarship. My daughter's a a nice junior tennis player, not at the level of the women you just mentioned, obviously. But uh, it's expensive to take lessons, to play, to travel the tournaments. So I can see why a lot of the parents... Sort of take over the coaching reins, and at some point, coaching is certainly important. Uh, but the most important thing is the talent of the player and the drive of the player. Uh, and I'm sure the f- parents think that they learn enough over the, you know, maybe the course of their children's careers, and then getting into pros that they could just as easily be a coach. And in some instances, it's worked. I mean, Kennan's dad, you know, she won the Australian Open and got to the finals of the French Open. And then you remember she, I think, you know, tried to distance herself and have her dad be her dad. I don't know her that well and not be involved as as her coach. And then, you know, she had some injuries and then her career has gone in the tank. So she brought her dad back maybe to try to get her confidence back. Maybe even though she made a lot of money, uh, winning some big tournaments. You know, she doesn't have huge endorsements like an you know, Osaka or Fernandez or uh, you know, Radakanu, for example. So, you know, they probably that's probably part of the reason. Also, there's a the comfort level and, you know, traveling, the parent will often travel with the with the player, more so on the women's side than on the men's side. Although you're seeing that on the men's side is more with uh passes, dad. Uh I'm trying to think of any other dads on the on the men's tour. Um, not that are the coaches that I can't think of off the top of my head, but if any of you do, you will chime in. So it's 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 tricky. I think uh, you know tennis is different than so many other sports because it's so individual, and, and the player is responsible for paying their teams, uh, and that is expensive. You know, when you have a fitness person as most of these top players do. Uh, some of them may think that's even more important at some point at at some junctures than a coach. Uh, and the parent may be able to give enough, uh, positive information that it's worked. So we'll see how it plays out. Uh, Peter McDade, I believe is how you pronounce it. What constitutes hindrance, particularly in light of Sfiontech's high profile apology to Vekic? Of course that happened in the San Diego tournament. I was uh, very happy to see that Iga uh, apologized as quickly as she did. Uh, if those of you weren't didn't see it, uh, v- Vekic had like uh, Sviantek went, I think, to retrieve a drop shot or came to the net and kind of put up a sitter, and Vekic was running up to hit was was a very easy winner, and Sviantec sort of threw her arms up in the air. Um, which she, which is total, bo- totally bogus. By the way, to do that, I think it's very bad sportsmanship. Uh, it could be called a hindrance. I haven't seen it happen many times. The other one that comes to mind is Jensen Brooksby, who's done it a few times, where he taps his racket on the ground. Uh, it's a junior move. It's you know I, I hate it in the juniors. It, it's horrendous. Usually, when you get to the pros, that stuff doesn't happen. Now Sviantek, to her credit. Uh, apologized immediately and said that it's sort of, she doesn't do it. She does it as just a reaction. She's not thinking. Uh, I think it was different with Brooksby from what I can see because he did it multiple times, although I don't think he's done it re- at least recently. This was back in the beginning of the year. Normally, it sort of polices itself on the tour. The other players, you know, they you know they they look down upon it. I would like to see, uh, you know, the grunting to me is, is a hindrance as well, but you rarely see, Uh, umpires call that, Uh, once in a a blue moon you see it. I'd like to see more players complain about it, Uh, but I guess so many of them do it, you sort of get used to it. But sometimes, you know. and by the way, it happens in the men's and the women's side, the grunts are so loud and also so far after they've even made contact with the ball to the point where the grunt or the scream is happening as you're literally hitting the shot on the other side of the net. So I don't like it. Uh, and I wish you were policed better, but I, I'm guessing we won't be hearing much more. Uh, we won't be seeing Siantha do it, because she's, generally speaking, has, been, from what I can tell, excellent sportsmanship and also happens to be a dominant number one player in the world. And by the way, you've got to continue with Fitbiomics with Nella. I've been taking it. It is absolutely amazing, Okay. And I want you to go to the website, fitbiomics.com. And I want you to put in the code for Nella, PMAC25, P-M-A-C-25, and get your discount. Because I know there was a time this summer when it wasn't in stock, but it's back. That's because everybody loves it. So keep it going. I've been taking it for the last few months, feeling amazing, Still got to work on my sugar intake. Cut that down. I'm going to get there. But Nella, the product, is next level. So again, use the code PMAC25, and you will be locked in. All right, I got to respond to Boxers and Ballers uh, because he's all over this idea, and I appreciate your interest, uh, Boxer and Baller. I don't know your actual name. Uh, about Chicago and having, he loves Chicago, and he's coming up with all sorts of uh, ideas and concepts about having a big tennis event, particularly in Chicago, but also in that part of the country, the Midwest of the U.S. There are a few tournaments there. Cleveland's got the women's tournament now. Obviously, Cincinnati is one of the great tournaments in North America for many years, a master's event there. And I have been to that event many, many times over the years. And always a lot of people from the Midwest that drive there, particularly from Chicago, uh, from that area, Indianapolis. Indianapolis used to have a big event when I was playing on the tour, a big clay court event, then it turned to hard courts. So that part of the country's had a lot of big events. I know Chicago's a huge city. Remember Boxer and Baller, we had the Labor Cup there a couple of years ago, which was very successful. Of course that event, you know, has the biggest names overall in tennis. Uh, so I like, I like your attitude. Uh, it all comes down to fine financial, um, reasons, you know, if they can be successful, uh, you say, well, there should, you know, we should invest in it. You say investment in development equals raised value. I like that. um, the problem is who's going to invest because if you don't get the money back right away, you know, the USTA, you could say could do it. And they invested for years and have still invested. They just sold the Cincinnati tournament in sort of the U.S. Open series uh, using their resources and revenues from the U.S. Open to support other events, a little bit like, like the NBA does, right, with the WNBA, which is is supported – in many ways, by the revenues of the NBA. The WNBA certainly doesn't bring in the same revenues uh, in each city as the NBA does. I think we can agree on that. Uh, so I think it's, it's it's hard to just say someone should invest in it because at some point it's a professional event and there has to be some sort of payoff. But I appreciate your continued interest and in continuing to um, tweet at me about uh, this issue. Uh, and I will continue to follow you, and we'll see. We'll see where it goes. But you're right. Remember, I played in the final in Chicago against my brother back in the day. I think it was Volvo was the sponsor, and I think it was at um, one of the universities where we played the uh, tournament. It was an indoor tournament, but that's going way back. What was it, 90? What year was that? 91, 95? Oh, somewhere in there. My brother beat me in the final. Is Su Sh- 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 Shui retired or just pregnant? I don't know, Nathan. I don't know the answer to that. Again, I got to start uh, studying up on these things. Jason, who is the greatest of all time? You know, we're going to have to wait that out a little bit. Who will be the new players to rule tennis? will be another one, a group like the big three. I got into that yesterday. So listen to the previous podcast. Why aren't you endorsing the only American on the hall of fame ballot? Typical Americans to me, Pam Shriver and the USTA from early morning. Uh, I am a voting member of the hall of fame. Uh, I think you're talking about Lisa Raymond. Uh, she, Cause she was on it last year. Uh, by the way, I've, I, my vote, I'm trying to think if I voted for her. I think I did vote for her, but it's got to be, um, it's got to be, uh, you know, a lot of people vote, you know, journalists, writers, so on and so forth. So there's a lot of people behind that. But uh, I've, I, I voted for her. Um, and then I just got it. I just got the email again to vote. I believe uh, Ferrero's on it again. I think Moya, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, All right, back to my Twitter feed here. I don't know why you wrote typical Americans, but okay. The awful sound that a pickleball makes when hitting the paddle. I mentioned that. Uh, Cheating has been making waves in the sports world lately from chess to fishing. What does the tennis world think? Uh, does this problem exist in tennis? Is it more widespread today? Well, cheating definitely exists in junior tennis, which I see quite a bit of. College tennis, which I've got I've talked about that before, which is just horrendous. Pro tennis, a little hard to cheat. Because of the lot, you know, for you personally, it's hard to cheat. We've talked about gamesmanship, the hindrance rule, the grunting. I wouldn't call that cheating, but bad sportsmanship. You know, taking the bathroom breaks in between, you know, for strategic reasons. They've tried to do a better job now with timing that, but it's still, to me, not as strict as it should be. Uh, you can't just cheat. The way they can cheat, unfortunately, in juniors, where you know balls in, they call it out, and you have to go get the ref, and, and so on and so forth. So, uh, the short answer to that question is no. I don't think there's a big a big problem. Of course, the other one is is doping. You know, or people cheating, uh, taking you know performance enhancing drugs? So that comes up a lot uh, on my Twitter feed about various top players. You know, it always comes up about top players. You know, because if they win, they have an amazing tournament or run, how could they recover, so on and so forth. So that has been always uh, talked about. Look, tennis players are tested as, as much or more than any other pro athletes, at least to my knowledge. They certainly were when I was playing. And uh, people say to me all the time, oh, no, you know, such and such is, you know, did it, it was going to find – uh, if I don't know what to tell you, I mean, I don't, I've never seen anyone myself cheat, uh, doping. There have been players that have been caught for taking some stuff over the years. Um, if they're doing it and getting away with it, I guess that's possible. Um, but uh, me personally, I don't think so, but that's just me. I mean, if it happens it's, uh, at some point, you know, someone gets nailed, they get nailed. Uh, and, of course, there have been some, you know, some some good players that have gotten nailed, never like what you'd call a top, top player. Uh, this one comes from James McMillan. Best second serve ever on men's tour. Sampras, question mark. Yes, Sampras to me, best second serve ever. I mean, you could maybe argue now in the last, you know, with Isner's second serve is phenomenal. You know, the big guys, Karlovich, Um Federer's second serve is good. I wouldn't put it on the same, you know, it's hard to attack it. Same as Djokovic has got a great second serve. Uh, Ivan Isevich in his day, you know, was more risky. I think the reason why I picked Sampras is because Sampras had no fear. And he had such a great second serve. He could spin it in when he wanted to just to put it in. You know, he do- When he double faulted Sampras, he double faulted because he was going for a big second. At his level, remember, you know, now everybody serves harder, but Sampras has had a—he had what we call a heavy serve, a lot of weight on it. The ball sort of pushed you when when it hit you, so it was hard to really go after it. Agassi, of course, greatest returner ever, one of them until Djokovic came around. He's certainly the greatest offensive returner. Connor, similar, um, he could go after it, but Sampras would go big on the second serve. I think at big moments. Um, and to me, that's what separated them. There's these guys that had great kick serves on the second, like Pat Rafter. You know, Edbergs could be good, although he could double fault a little bit. I played against both Edberg and Becker. Uh, I felt like I could I could get a better look at their second. I did, you know, get beat up by Sampras a few times. And it was harder to, um, you know, take a take a crack at his second. And if you did, he could, you know, elevate it a little more depending on how good you were as a returner. Um, and I just remember him you know, going for it at big moments, especially at Wimbledon in the U.S. Open, where the courts were conducive to him. Djokovic fight from Steve P to get into Australia. <clears throat> I believe that will happen. I know there's a lot of behind the scenes going on between his team uh, and the Australian government. Um, just taking a sip there. And uh, the the tennis Australia run by Craig Tiley, made an announcement that he, they're not going to get involved. But I do believe that that's going to happen. All right, the last one I'll do on this round, another Sampras one from Guillaume Sampras. Interesting. I don't, you know, related. I don't think so. Why Sampras didn't make it at the French Open? Wasn't consistent enough. You know, backhand was was solid, but not. It, and it was better on a faster court because he hit it relatively flat. He could chip it. He could go after it, but he didn't have like the natural sort of safe topspin. You know, Federer's got that on another one hand. Or Federer was a better, much better clay court player than Sampras because he was a, he was um, more consistent off the ground. And Pete, you know, liked to play a a, a more flatter ball, which he could do on grass or hard court. And he was good on clay, but he just, you know, he got picked off by guys that were almost no namers on clay. And that never happened to uh, to Federer on clay. Uh, you know, my brother was, I would say, a little better on clay. He did reach the final, of course, losing that one to Lendl. Uh, I think Pete won, won one of the big clay court tournaments once, but he wasn't really a factor. Forget about the French, even even in the other big clay court tournaments. Whereas you know, even like guys like Becker, Edberg, I would argue they were better on clay, not because their games, but they they moved better on it, and they were more used to it because they played on it more growing up. Pete only played on hard growing up, and if you have the strokes that will allow you to be more consistent on clay, you can adjust. You know, Michael Chang did it, Agassi did it. Um, But it was harder for Sampras to ever do that. And that is the reason why uh, he never even made a French Open final. All right. Thank you again for chiming in on tennis topics on Twitter. I think we're going to continue. I think, ladies and gentlemen, we're on to something here on Holding Court. Holding Court with Patrick McEnroe is powered by Mudhouse Media.